know, like the video presented, we're, we're invited to life. Jesus always gives us an invitation to life. It says that Christ came so that we can have eternal life. It says that Christ came so that we can have abundant life. But have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, well, what kind of life is that? What, what does this life actually mean? You know, sometimes you get an invitation in the mail, right? If we're invited to life, and maybe you've had enough out of life for a little bit, you're like, yeah, I'm going to pass on that invitation. I don't really want to go. But this invitation to life is the life like Jesus intended for us to live. He's constantly calling and inviting us to follow him and find life. And there's different ways that we do that. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the different types of invitations that we get in following Jesus. And one of the first ones that we get is he gives us an invitation to be able to connect, not just with him, but with other believers in a church. You know, there's a statistic, membership matter. Does membership matter? You know, there's a statistic that I quote often because I find it rather fascinating, is that four out of five, four out of five gym memberships in the United States of America go unused. Do you know that? Four out of five go unused. And as a matter of fact, that whole industry is built on an assumption that you're going to join and not use your membership. That's how it's built. Unfortunately, some churches have followed that model that they want people to join, but they don't really care whether they do anything. But I'm just going to tell you that the path to life in following Jesus is found in connecting with a church. It's part of it. And so when you actually connect with a church, you find this path to life. <laughs> and so I want to talk today about what does it mean to actually connect with a church and does membership really matter for a church. You see, there's often, as this video talked about, we're invited to life and, and we're called to a relationship with God. We're not called to religion. We're not called to following certain rules and regulations. We're called into a real, life-giving, transforming relationship with the Creator God who loves us. But we actually find life in that, in living it out, not just when we keep it between myself and God, but when we live that out in community with other people. Unfortunately, over our consumerism culture, we, we kind of approach church and even our relationship with God only from the, from the stance of, well, what's in it for me? And rarely do we ever think about it from the sense of, well, what do I need to put into it so that I get something out of it? So let's go back to this idea of gym memberships, right? It's not the gym's fault that I don't have six-pack abs. If I, don't jo if I join and then don't go, I can't sit on my couch and go, nope, still puffy. You know, I, it just, it, it doesn't happen unless you actually put something into it. And the same thing is true when, when I would talk to people about, well, why should I get involved with the church or, or why should I connect? And I'll even go as far as people say, you know, well, show me a biblical passage that says I have to join a church. And I'll just go ahead and give you one. There's not one. But I would always come back with those people and say, show me a Christian in the New Testament that's not in church. Yeah, they can't show me that one either. So the assumption in the New Testament is that if you are a follower of Christ, then you are connected with the body of believers and you are living out 
that life with a connected body of believers to try to accomplish God's work in that location where one who wants to is invited to come and be a part of First Baptist Church Weatherford. God's called us to come together, and everyone who wants to is invited to come and be a part of our congregation. As long as you believe like we do and align like we do, and you say that you want to join and be a part of what we do, then, then you come along and you join the church. But, but why? To be one of the four out of the five or to be one of the one out of the five? See, that's the question. Because the truth is, you're going to get out of church and membership and connection to a church whatever you put into it. The staff can only do so much, you know, but when we get involved in work, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, first, we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, 1 Thessalonians is one of the most difficult books in all of Scripture. You want to know why? Because I have a lisp. That's why it's one of the most difficult books in all of Scripture. I can't say it. That's why. Okay, that's a joke, everybody. You missed it. Y'all are all focused in on here. And so you may not notice that though I spend my life speaking to other people, at times I have to stop and go, Thessalonians, and make sure I don't go Thessalonians on that for you. So, all my fellow lispers, and why did they call a lisp a lisp? Because that in itself is hard. But I, but I digress, okay? We're on to something else. First Thessalonians is talking to us about church membership, and there's something that happens right off the first when, when Paul writes the introduction to this letter, and he's talking about why he loves and appreciates this church. I want you to look at this. Starting in verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. Why? Because we recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a highlighter, underliner, or whatever in your Bible, you should underline verse 3. We recall in the presence of God our Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit. And with full assurance, you now know how we lived among you. In spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven wrath. Now see, that's Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now see, that is quite an introduction. Here's Paul saying, man, I am so thankful for this church because of what you've done. It's not I'm thankful for the church because you're friendly. Or I'm thankful for the church because, you know, you have great buildings. Or I'm thankful for the church because you're in a really convenient location. It says, I am thankful for the church 
for what you have done. And he says, we recall in the presence of the Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you've heard that phrase somewhere before in Scripture. Maybe it rings true. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That's at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, and it's that passage that's read at a lot of weddings. You know, it's the kind of love chapter, and they talk all about love. And at the end of it, Paul's emphasizing faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. But in this passage, he's talking about faith, hope, and love, but he's talking about what happens because of it. And he emphasizes, actually, work, labor, and endurance. Boy, now, wouldn't that be a great billboard? Come to First Baptist Church. We'll put you to work. People in our culture would line up forever going, I have been looking for a church that would allow me to serve. And find, Right? Now, we chuckle because we live in a culture where most people are asking the question, well, if I'm going to come and be a part of what you're doing, what's in it for me? Okay? And let's just be honest. We all ask that question, and it's not a bad question to ask. Because we don't need to just be mad because people go, well, all they ever look for is what's in it for themselves. Well, you know how you know that? Because you do too. And so we all ask the question naturally at times, what's in it for me? So it seems kind of funny if we said, man, if you really want to see a church at its best, you need to go work at this church. And we've, we've let the ask the question, what can I do? Penetrate our lives so much that we don't know how to ask the question, what can I do? Where can I serve? Where can I go and find life? Because here's what I want you to hear this morning, and here's my disclaimer before we start into this. This is not a guilt sermon. This is not a sermon for me to go, you need to be serving in the church. But it's a sermon where I'm going to say, you need to be serving in the church. Here's why. Because it's in that service that you find the path to life. It's not because the church needs you. I don't serve the Lord because God can't do it without me. I serve the Lord because it brings me joy, it brings me life, it brings me peace, it brings me everything that I've been wanting in life. It happens because I actually work and do something. I don't just have a membership that allows me to go, yeah, I've joined a gym, can't you tell? You know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. But when you actually put stuff into it and you do the things that are there, then you begin to see life just come alive. I'm going to show you how this, this works here. The first thing you need to understand is that I'm invited to connect. I'm invited to connect. Now, a church is a gathering of people who have said, I have connected with God. I have come to the place in my life where I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and it is my desire to live my life following him. And it's in following Christ that we would declare that we have found that life. And that's why I say, you won't find a scripture that says you need to be a part of a local church. You will find scripture that says don't forsake the gathering together of the believers. You'll find lots of examples like that, but you won't see one that goes you've got to join First Baptist Church. It's, it's not in there. But what you will see is the example over and over and over of scripture is that when people have come to a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, that what they look to do is go connect with other believers so that they can then live this life out together. They first connect with God, and then they connect with other believers. And that is the way that God 
has wired us. You see, membership does matter because you move from being a spectator to a participant, and it's a lot more fun when you're on the field than when you're just watching. And that's why Paul emphasizes in Thessalonians, he's not just talking about faith, hope, and love. He says, the reason that this church makes a difference in all of Macedonia and in all of Achaia and because people are talking about you and you set an example, it's not because of their faith, hope, and love. It's because of their work, their labor. And, but in this particular place, he says, what makes this church unique in Thessalonica is that you do the work that you put in the labor and that you endure even in the face of persecution and it is making a difference. So the reason I say it's not a guilt sermon, it's a life sermon, is think about this. What is life? When you start identifying yourself to other people, somebody goes, hey, you know, hi, I'm Lindell, hi, I'm so-and-so. What's usually the first question? Well, what do you do, okay? What do you do? And most of the time, well, I'm a student. Well, I'm, you know, I don't do anything. Well, I'm looking for a job. Well, I do this. And we tend to identify ourselves with what we do, Right? And so there's something within us that understands that there's some satisfaction in life that comes from work. Now, we all love a good vacation, amen? We all love to get away and spend time away. But truthfully, what makes vacation great is when you know that you've worked hard. And when there's something that's meaningful in life, when there's something that you're investing yourself into, when you know that you're actually trying to accomplish something that matters. And so you need to understand this. It's not just that we find our identity in, in a job. It's that we find our identity in, in doing the work that Christ has created us to do. I'll say it this way. Life is not about what I do for a living. It's about how I live through what I do. You see, God will call us to many different professions and to do many different things, but the work that he has for us to do can be accomplished in all of those places if we'll focus ourselves on it. Whether you be at school, whether you be at work, whether you be at home, you can find life in doing the work. And isn't it funny, I get all excited, this work, this labor, this endurance that Paul is talking about. And isn't it funny, I get all excited about talking about work, okay? Because people are like, man, you're crazy. And, it's, and, and we did laugh because we won't put a billboard up that says, come to First Baptist Church, we'll put you to work. Because most people would go, I'm, I'm good, I got enough to do. But the truth is, if you're going to get the most out of your church membership, you need to get to work. You need to find a place where you plug in. And, and what usually keeps people from doing that is, is a few things. Yes, we all have seasons of life. Yes, there are some seasons where we can give more of ourselves and less of ourselves. So I get that. But in general, what typically keeps us from things is, is, is stuff like our own personal schedule or our preferences. Or how about this? Sometimes we assume that there's somebody better that could do it. Well, I don't need to do that because, you know, I'm not really good at that. And they probably have somebody else. And can I just tell you something? Here's a little secret. I'm not the best pastor. I just would tell you that. There are better preachers. There are people who have better degrees. They're smarter. They can speak better. They don't have a lisp, okay, and things like that. There are, there are people who do my job better than I do my job. But I'm your pastor, and you're stuck with me. Hmm. So how about that? So... I'm excited that God has called me here and to do the work here. And I don't always compare myself. I don't go, well, I probably shouldn't take that job. They can find somebody. Well, we can always find somebody better. 
all right? We can always do things differently. It's not about that. It's about finding the way to serve where God has put me and doing the things that he's accomplishing at that point in time. Another reason we don't do that is because sometimes we say, well, I don't really know how to do that or I'm not gifted in doing that. You know how I learned how to do stuff? By doing stuff. That's how I learned how to do it. And so there's been plenty of times in my life that people go, would anybody be willing to do this? And I'm like, I'll try. Have you ever done it before? Not till today. But you ask me tomorrow and I'll say, I've done it once. You know, that, I mean, that's basically how it can work. And so my invitation for you to serve is very meaningful. It's very purposeful. It's very practical. You'll see this in a minute because I'm going to give you some opportunities of here's where we really need some people to step up right now for our church to move forward. But I say it not out of guilt. I say it because it's where you'll find life. You see, here's what Paul's saying, is that my faith will guide my actions. My faith, if I have a true, genuine faith in God, what I have said is, I believe that following Christ is going to lead me to a better life than following my own preferences in my own way. So when God presents an opportunity or a challenge or a direction for me, then my response should be, yes, we'll give it a chance. We'll, we'll, we'll try it this way. Let's do this. And so that leads into your work produced by faith. Not your work produced by your expertise, not your work produced by your skill, not your work produced by your desire, your work produced by your faith. It is because of your faith in Christ that you should say yes to the things that he calls you to do. Whether he's calling you to go on a mission trip, whether he's calling you to teach in preschool, whether he's calling you to clean the church, whether he's calling you to teach in preschool, whether he's calling you to sing in a choir, whether he's calling you to teach in preschool. Whatever it is that you might think that God's calling you to do, your answer just needs to be yes to these things because it's in doing those things that you will find life. James chapter 2, he writes it this way. He says, what good is save him? That's the equivalent of saying, yes, I am a member of a gym, but I don't go. That's faith without works. There is no benefit. Now stop for a minute. What would happen if everybody who had a gym membership went and actually did what the gym offered? Would they get healthier? Yes. Would hospitals have a few less people? The gyms wouldn't be able to keep up with us. Would it benefit the community? Well, yeah, there'd be more people. But here's the other thing that would happen. The gyms wouldn't be able to keep up with it all because there would be so much going on, they couldn't build gyms big enough to do that. What would happen if everybody in the church started doing the work of the church, same thing. You couldn't keep up with it all. My job would turn into, yeah, just go ahead. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to find, I don't know, just get it done. It would be like, this is great. People are just wanting to serve and do. I would covet that problem. Let me just tell you that. If, if my office phone was ringing off the hook with people going, I am just trying to find a place to serve in this church, and I just can't do it, Pastor. Well, just start something new then. Let's just get to work. I don't know. You know, this would be a wonderful problem. What good is it to have faith but not have deeds? The answer to the question is it's not a really good faith. Your faith produces work. My faith will guide my actions. And those, the next step in this, it leads to this love that he talks about. When Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples, now think about the practicality of this, okay? You have Jesus who was clearly in charge. And you have 12 disciples who are following him. And besides the 12 disciples, there is a following of people who are following Jesus. And as he's preparing to leave his disciples, he says these words. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. If you have a successful thing happen to one another. Now, why would he say that? 
Let me ask you a question. You have a successful thing happening. You have a point person who's doing it. That point person goes somewhere else. It leaves 12 people vying for leadership. And in a typical way, what are they going to do to vie for leadership? Well, you know you shouldn't hire him because, yeah, he's got some issues over here. Well, that's probably not the best person because I heard they did this and bad. And what Jesus says is that's not how this is going to work. The way that they're going to know you're my disciple is that you love one another, that you take care of one another, that you consider others better than yourselves, and that you serve. And in this particular instance, he is very specifically saying that it is the followers of Christ will be known to the public by the way that they love and serve the followers of Christ. So I unapologetically stand in front of you, your pastor, and say the path to life is to serve in the church because it's all over Scripture. And if you don't have that place to serve, we're going to get there. Just, I know you're anxious already. Just hold on. I'll give you a chance to serve. Just a minute, okay? But we're going to get there. But you need to understand this. The work is worth it. Why is the work worth it? Because the things you are looking for in life, friendship, purpose, connection, meaning, they're all found in working. They're all found in coming together and, and accomplishing a, a purpose together. That's when you connect with other people and actually live this faith out. You see, and then what begins to fuel it is not just what you can get out of it, but then you begin to fall in love with the things that are happening around it and the people that you're doing it for. And that's why my love will fuel my work. That's why Paul writes, your labor was motivated by love. The reason you work so hard at what you do is because you loved the people that you did it for, not because it fit your specific design or your schedule or your expertise or your skill, but you basically said, look, I love these people enough that I'll give it a try. You want to know how many times I've pastored a church before First Baptist Church of Weatherford? Zero. Just so I let you know, you guys are my first church, hopefully my last, unless you run me off after I tell you all you need to serve the church. That'll be okay. But I knew God was preparing me, even though I'd never done it before. And you just trust God and you say, and I've had people ask me all the time, because our church has done a lot of great things over the past few years. And people will come to me all the time and go, well, what, what do you think the secret of it is? And I will just tell them, honestly, I'll look at them and I go, because I love those people. You know, the most fun people to hang out with, their work has nothing to do with impressing God. I love being around them. I mean, that's it. My, my motivation for getting up and coming to work has nothing to do with impressing God because I can't. It has everything to do with loving the people that I do it for, and that's you. And the same thing can happen for you. I love watching our Bible study leaders and people who come and take care of the, the plants and the stuff around the outside of the church and the landscaping or cleaning or all kinds of stuff, or you watch a group of our people who serve people who are, are going through a funeral. I mean, that is, that's amazing to see that type of ministry happening. And all that stuff is happening. It's fueled by love, and you can tell it. And so what John writes later in his epistle, 1 John, he says, Little children, let us not love in words and speech. Let us love in action and in truth. So Paul's impressed by the church because of what they've done, not because of what they've said. And in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We work. I have this as we work because we love. Now, think about this. I, and I, I have this as, as a parent, as a father. I, I actually give my kids a hard time for spending my money sometimes, but nothing actually brings me more joy than me being able to provide for my family. 
for me to go out and do a job and to do work and get compensated and be able to use that to bless those that I love the most, that brings me great joy. And my, my kids would love to increase my joy all the time, you know what I mean? So I, I get that, all right? I'm not looking at you back. I'm not looking at you. I'm just kidding. So I, I understand what happens in my heart is that. And so this is why I say it's not a guilt thing. It's a life thing. If you want to experience that type of love, then you fall in love with a group of people by serving them, and then you become motivated to do things by loving them. I promise you I could have some people stand up here that I have specifically in mind that could tell you a testimony on that of, hey, I went into this area because somebody asked me to do something, and I fell in love with these people, and now I work with these people. And I promise you that that will happen. And so it's this, it's this motivation for us is the love. We work because we love. There is a dark side to this. There's a flip side, and I want you to think about it, and it is a little stinging, I hope. Honestly, lack of work equates to lack of love. Lack of work equates to lack of love. When I'm not willing to put in the effort or to do the things, it basically is the same as saying, I don't care about you enough to do this. And so when we, as a church, say that, okay, we've got some things that we'd like to do, but we can't find anybody who's willing to serve and do these things, what we're having is a lot of people go, well, I don't really care about this. It doesn't mean that we don't work because we don't love. Now, let me give a disclaimer. There's some people who have so much love that we have to ask them not to work or their work would end them up in the hospital. I get that. So I'm not saying that with everybody because there's so people who just try to do and do and do. But I want you to get the picture again of what would it look like if everybody in the church found life through following Christ and then we're living that out in community with one another by serving and loving one another and doing the thing. What would that look like? Oh, my goodness. You begin to get a picture of what kind of life that Jesus invites us into all the time. It's a life that's full. It's a life that's abundant. It's a life that's bigger than just me and what I can accumulate and do. It's something that has meaning, something that has depth to it. And that's why I want people to be able to find that thing. So, we work because we love. And then we do have those moments, and we do have those seasons where work becomes work, right? Where it's just tough sometimes. It's just difficult at times. And to be quite honest, sometimes it's hard to get up and go, and it's hard to be motivated. And what Paul points out in this is, man, you in, your endurance, <laughs> your endurance is incredible. And your endurance is there because of your faith, Okay? Your labor is motivated by love. Your work's by faith, and your endurance is by hope. I'm sorry, it's by hope. And so, what is it that we hope in? Well, we're hoping that what we do brings meaning, brings joy to life. But ultimately, our hope is that in doing these things and following Christ, that others would come to know Him, and that Christ would then fill my heart, and that I would experience life like no one else. But remember this: these are the words of Paul in Romans. He says. Now, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So meaning this, if the only reason you work is to see immediate results, you're going to get frustrated. You have to work for something greater than just the paycheck or something greater than than, than just the immediate results that you see. We work and we invest in people and we do things because we want to share the love of Christ and we hope that the seeds that we plant will grow one day and bring great things about. And I will just tell you one story without, without using a name. 
there have been along the way many trying people that I've had in different types of ministry. And when I was in student ministry in particular, in one location, there was one kid who gave me grief, and I mean grief like nobody's business. Sometimes legal grief that we had to deal. I mean, it was just like, this was tough. And I, I just remember saying to some of my workers over and over, I have never seen a more gifted, naturally born leader that just leads people to do the most foolish things I've ever seen them to do. And he comes out smelling like a rose because he could just tell everybody else what to do. And he's near and you knew he was the one that did it, but yet he's not the one that got caught all those times. And he just had this gift. And I remember looking at him one time and go, man, you would be a phenomenal leader if you would just focus this in the right direction. But just to be honest with you, the biblical word is he was a, a punk, okay? That we'll never forget. And it's been about a decade now getting a phone call from this person who says, hey, I just wanted to connect with you. And I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, I, I really, I was, this is someone that, and I don't mean this to be funny. I just, somebody I thought, he's calling me from jail. I mean, it's just, where, where are we? Now, and he said, you know, I remember you telling me a long time ago that there was some leadership here and that it was all pointed in the right direction. I just want, God bless you with many yous. Uh, now, I went, okay. Uh, may God bless you with many yous uh, along the way that you can influence. But, man, you never know. You just, you never know what this is going to be. And that's, that's why you do this. That's why you, because you never know that you're in, who you're investing in and what they might be. One of the things that we talked about in our Explorers Bible study on Wednesday, we're studying the book of John. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, perhaps you're not, that's okay. But Jesus had 12 disciples, and of those 12 disciples, there, that, where there was three that really stood out, Peter, James, and John. And of the three that really kind of stood out, there was one that stood out. And all my church people tell me who that is. Peter, okay. So Peter kind of held out above the rest. But what you see in the book of John is that the reason that we know Peter's name is because Andrew, his brother, invited him to follow Jesus. And you know what you hear about Andrew and the rest of Scripture? Not a whole lot. So you have to understand that the reason that we work is that we have hope that the things that we do and in investing in people's lives are going to bring about fruit that we never see. That we, that we see the work of God go on through the lives of people in ways that we will never even know about this side of heaven. That's why we have that hope. You see, and we find life in doing this. And so, man, wouldn't it be awesome for somebody to write a letter that looked a lot like this about our church? Man, you've got to go and see what's happening at First Baptist Church of Weatherford. You've got to see what they're doing. Man, the way that they love the community. Gosh, the stuff that they do here. But you know what? It's not going to happen if you always say, well, somebody else has to do that. It's only going to happen when we say, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll serve, I'll get in there, I'll do what I can. And so that's where not only will our church be the church that we need to be, but it's where you'll find life as well. So let me just talk about a few practical things, if you'll allow me, here for just a minute. Um, we have plenty of opportunities to serve. The reason that we're, one of the reasons that we do two worship services on Sunday morning is we would love for you to take the opportunity, worship at one, serve at the other one. We could always use things like greeters, preschool workers, seekers in the choir, preschool workers. Um, you get where I'm going with this. Can I just tell you, there's nothing sweeter than being able to take care of those babies down there. And we've got people who are coming with babies who need taken care of. And so you can find a place to serve, and yet you can still come to worship. That's one of the reasons we do the schedule like that. 
we are changing the things that we're doing stuff on Wednesday nights. Now, our Wednesday night schedule has been a little crazy. Do adult choir, and then we're trying to do this, you know, 14 programs for kids and, and these type of things. We've tried to put it all in, in, in this one little package, and so we're making some changes this fall that I know makes a change to some of your schedules. But here's what we're doing. We are starting on September 4th. We will still have our meal. The meal will begin serving at 5.30, and you'll have from 5.30 to 6.30 to come and eat the meal and fellowship and be around. But then at 6.30, we'll do our programming for preschool, for children, for students, and adult choir. And it'll go 6.30 to 7.30, and then we'll all be done and go home. And we won't have the programming that does multiple things all at the same time. We will not have adult Bible studies on Wednesday evenings. We will have adult Bible studies on other nights of the week. But we won't have them on Wednesday evening because what we want to do is we want to do excellent preschool, children, and student ministry. And so one of the first opportunities that you will have to step up and serve would be to go, hey, I can give you an hour on Wednesday night to take care of preschoolers, children's, and student ministry to make sure that they're everything that they can be for us to love and serve the next generation and to do things as a church. See, so that's one way that you can serve. Now, not everybody can sign up to do the same thing, so... Y'all all looking at me again, I, like, like okay, it's okay, it's a joke, okay, you can laugh a little bit. I know we're not going to have an overwhelming thing, and I know that not everybody can do it, but the truth is, when we get those taken care of, well, who knows what God will allow us to do next, and then who knows what God will allow us to do next, and then who knows what God will allow us to do next. But we believe that we can love our community by taking great care of preschool children and student ministry, and that's where we want to start. And we can take care of adults on different nights of the week and different things. And then adults who, who have that talent and ability and desire to sing and be a part of the choir, you have the opportunity to do that on Wednesday evenings as well. And then we'll do Bible studies in a different way. Maybe you want to serve on a Sunday morning teaching. Maybe you want to come and help us during the week. Uh, just help out around here. If you'll remember, a few months ago, we have a room right over here with a lot of things listed. It's called I'm In. And there's a lot of different jobs listed that you can look at and say, hey, I encourage you to find a place to serve because when you want to start serving. So I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to find a place to serve because when Jesus invites us to life, he invites us to connect. And he invites us to connect not only with him, he invites us to connect with the church. But the reason we connect with the church is not just to go, yeah, I'm a member. It's for us to find life in serving and doing. And whatever your season of life is, I promise you there's somewhere, something that you can do. If you can give 15 minutes or if you can give 15 days, it, it, it's whatever you can do. You will begin to find life and connection and purpose and meaning as you serve in that way. So my invitation to you is really clear today. Where are you willing to connect? Now, some of you may also ask the question of, well, do I need to actually join the church Yes, if you're going to serve in our church, then a requirement is that you need to be a member of our church. And so maybe you're going, well, how do I do that? Well, here in just a moment, we're going to have a response time. And, and as you could every week, during our response time, our pastors and staff will be here at the front. And if you're saying, hey, I, I would like to be a member of the church, and you can come down and let us know that, and then we will help you with the process of membership and joining our church so that you can be connected with the body of believers and so that you can find a place to serve. Now, see... That's a little bit different than a billboard that says, come to First Baptist Church, we'll put you to work. Because it's better to say, come to First Baptist Church, and we'll help you find the path to life. But as, my, as your pastor, I love you enough to tell you, the path to life requires you getting up and investing in what we're doing. 
as well. And I promise you that when you do that, you'll find life as well.